0: might well be characterized an era of The Outline, World Dispatch.
1: Wednesday, June 28th, 2017. I'm Rabia Khmer, today on The Dispatch. Gabby Del Valle on the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. This is just another way for them to kick us while we're down. William Turton on Section 702.
0: Why can't they figure out how many Americans are involved or even make an estimate?
1: And Jeffy Haza on Azealia Banks.
0: It's kind of strange to watch Someone like Azalea Banks get kind of thrown under the bus, but a lot of other kids get praised.
1: Here's a dispatch.
2: Power.
3: 8,002. That's the number of residents in Flint, Michigan, who have been threatened with foreclosure if they don't pay their water bills. Flint hasn't had clean water since 2014, when the city began sourcing its water supply from the polluted Flint River. Filters provided by the government did a good job of keeping lead out of the water, but the filters were later found to be a breeding ground for deadly bacteria. Michigan subsidized families' water bills until March 1st, claiming the water quality had improved. But many families in Flint still exclusively drink, bathe, and cook with bottled water, and they're refusing to pay their bills until the problem is entirely fixed.
4: Well, things obviously aren't getting better in
3: Flint. That's Melissa Mays. She lives in Flint, and in May, she was sent a $2,000 water bill. The bill said that a lien would be placed on her home if she didn't pay. That would put her on the path to foreclosure.
4: The water is not better for way too many people. It's getting worse. And the the state of Michigan is doing everything they can to destroy what's left of the city of Flint.
3: The city council put a year-long hold on the liens last month. But yesterday, a panel appointed by Rick Snyder decided to move forward with the process, arguing the city needed the money to fix Flint's water. I spoke to Melissa just after the meeting. Are you surprised by the decision today?
4: Yes and no. The state of Michigan has been bullying our city into, or at least trying to, into this 30-year water contract with Detroit uh, or the Great Lakes Water Authority. And the, the the citizens want more information about this deal because anything the state pushes upon us, we're very nervous about because they're the ones that switched our water like they did. So we want more information and we want more control because the state is continuing to tell us what to do. So the very people that put us here are the ones in charge of the recovery and are still making all the decisions and they're not right for us. So um, over the past couple weeks, they've sent several threatening letters to the city council to vote on this. And then today the the RTAB said, well, it might incur, we might incur higher costs because the city council hasn't signed off on this 30-year deal yet. So we're gonna have to find another way to collect the money. So we're gonna go ahead and put out these tax liens.
3: And their argument, if I remember correctly, is that the city needs everyone to pay their bills so that they have the money to fix the infrastructure. What is.
4: Which is also ridiculous. Because we have the lawsuit settlement that um, the state has to pay to replace the lead and galvanized service lines. And then we also have $100 million in federal money coming to us. So the water fund is not broke. And city council talked about that last night. There's money in the water fund because people are paying their water bills, you know, because they're scared of losing their homes or having child protective services called. And if they get their water shut off and nobody wants their water shut off, even though it is poison, But so some people were paying it because they could afford to, because at the end of the day, we still pay the highest rates in the United States, over eight times the national average for poison. And so we're still dealing with this. And it's the state. Oh, it's just toppling. They're trying to pull out any and all responsibility out of the city of Flint so they don't have to pay for anything. And so this is just another way for them to kick us while we're down.
3: What comes next for you and for the city in general? That's a good question because a lot of people had actually counted on the moratorium
4: so they could hold off on the water bills for a while to actually repair their homes because we still have going out anything that's touched the water. The plumbing is going out. And then when you get your service line replaced, a lot of people want to replace their interior plumbing because that just makes sense. But it just shows us that our voices don't matter, that they just want our money and they do not care what is going to actually happen to us. They don't care if they make 8,002 people homeless.
1: Power. We may never know how many Americans are being swept up in foreign surveillance. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act allows electronic surveillance of non U.S. citizens for intelligence purposes. William Turton reported on it yesterday. Hey, William. Hey. So, what exactly is Section 702?
2: So Section 702 is a portion of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and what it allows, it kind of gives these intelligence agencies the authorization to conduct surveillance on non-U.S. citizens for intelligence purposes.
1: So what happened with it yesterday?
2: So yesterday there was a Senate Judiciary hearing on the reauthorization of 702 Um, and part of the hearing included lawyers from intelligence agencies and the Director of National Intelligence and they argued which they so often do, 702 is an essential and crucial tool for preventing terrorism here in the States and worldwide.
1: Um, so something that people have wanted to know is how how many Americans does this actually affect?
2: Right. So for a long time, there's been a lot of privacy groups like the ACLU or the EFF um, and even congresspeople on the Judiciary Committee and other members of Congress that want to know, you know, when you conduct this surveillance on non-U.S. citizens, you know, even non-U.S. citizens can sometimes talk to Americans. So how often are what Americans are saying and doing online, who they're communicating with, um, how often is that getting swept up by intelligence agencies and stored and analyzed? And so um, members of the Judiciary Committee have asked these intelligence agencies essentially to provide even just an estimate of how many Americans are getting swept up Um, They've been asking for years now for some kind of number, um, and now the intelligence agencies are saying it's technically impossible to be able to determine how many Americans, which is different from their answer of previously that we're working on it.
1: I mean, it it seems counterintuitive to think that something that involves data collection wouldn't be able to, to provide a number like that.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. Senator Dick Durbin brought that up during the Judiciary Committee saying that, you know, these intelligence agencies have this capability to analyze data, so why can't they figure out how many Americans are involved or even make an estimate?
0: How many Americans have been swept up into this 702? You can't tell us. How are we supposed to believe that transparency is really the guiding principle and that we have such great data collection if you can't even identify for us how many Americans have been innocently swept up into this effort.
1: Um, so so, what are the implications here? I think
2: if 702 will be reauthorized as kind of a foregone conclusion, it's almost definitely going to be reauthorized. Uh, I guess really the big question is whether it will include a sunset provision as it has in the past. Um, it's kind of new that these agencies are asking for it to be instated indefinitely. There's some hesitation with 702 because some of the documents leaked by National Security Agency Whistleblower Edward Snowden revealed that, you know, a lot of Americans were being swept up in these kind of huge surveillance nets. So I think people are really cautious of kind of giving the intelligence community these types of powers, even if they do probably stop terrorist attacks.
1: Culture. So, Jeff, you wrote something a little controversial about Azalea Banks yesterday.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, I hope it's not that controversial, but Azalea Banks has been releasing music kind of steadily over the past year. Um, And she had a new track yesterday called Escapades. And like all of the music she's put out, it's an excellent song. And I've just been thinking how you know there's so much going on, especially in the hip hop world, of these young kids who have super problematic past and really aren't repentant about it at all being really you know shined on by by the hip hop media, but somehow we look at Azalea banks as like this crazy person
1: i mean why why are people actually that upset i don't I don't know people hate her more than they do other celebrities, it seems like.
0: I don't want to say she just brought it on herself, but she definitely hasn't helped her situation. Um, there was an incident where the RZA from Wu-Tang invited her to a party at Russell Crowe's house, and apparently she threatened to stab everyone. She got in a fight with Zayn Malik, using some racially insensitive language. Um, she's definitely said controversial things over and over again. I think she sided with Milo Yiannopoulos at one point, Um, she's, you know, advocated skin bleaching. She's not by any means a perfectly woke celebrity. Um, but neither is any celebrity. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of strange to watch someone like Azalea Banks get kind of thrown under the bus, but a lot of other kids get praised and even sometimes, you know, called like, Oh, cool for not being politically correct or whatever. Like that's tight to be just brash and rude.
1: Right, I mean, there are certain things that you can do, and they get you elected to the U.S. presidency. Well, that, yes. but depending <laughs> on who you, if you are, if you're Azalea Banks, it just means that your career kind of gets stalled. But I mean, I feel like aside from the fact that there have been all these controversies, her music has always gotten lost in the shuffle, and I feel mm-hmm. like her music is especially good and unique, um, and has sort of been a driver of all of these these trends. And she somehow doesn't get the opportunity to 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 sort of get the credit there
0: yeah i mean it's really kind of tragic you know so this new song escapades has a very 90s house feel. It fits perfectly on you know any dj set at like 4 or 5 a.m at any club in new york or chicago or wherever and you know that's very much in vogue right now i think you know kanye had fade on his record um, Vin Staples just came out with, you know, a quasi-electronic, quasi-dance music record. I think this is something that's very much in the zeitgeist right now. And Azalea Banks is executing it perfectly, and she's coming at it from this perspective that's so authentic and so real. You don't get the sense that she's kind of riding a wave. You get the sense that, like, oh, here's a girl who, like, probably from age, like, 10 or whatever was just jamming house music and loves this stuff, like, for real.
1: So what do you think it is about her specifically that makes it so that these particular offenses are magnified in this way
0: well i mean i think there's an obvious double standard when we talk about culture when black women do things or when i mean for to start when black artists say or do things versus when white artists say or do things but i think it's also compounded when it's a black woman doing something it's just you know in our nature as a as a culture to sort of say oh look how crazy they are look how angry they are look how this or that they are
1: so where does she go from here
0: she agreed with a tweet from one of her fans that was basically saying, you know, keep putting out this music and just be on your best behavior. And I think that's obviously good advice. But at the same time, there's something to be said, at least for me as an Azalea Banks fan, of, you know, the controversy is sort of part of it. Her The fact that she doesn't care about who she offends or what she says I think is a big part of it to a lot of people. So it's going to be straddling that line of not just going into, like, neutered – you know, Pleasantville mode, but also not, you know, maybe don't say gross things to a 14 year old on Twitter. So hopefully she finds that middle ground. And I think if she does, she can definitely be one of the biggest, you know,
1: stars of our day. Well, I, I hope she figures it out. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. So
2: as the in your eyes, more than lust, more than sex and
1: That concludes The Dispatch. I'm Raya Khmer. More stories tomorrow.